The reading is from Luke chapter 11. It can be found if you want to follow it uh, on the Pew Bibles, page 1042. Luke chapter 11, starting at verse 1. Hear the word of the Lord. On the day Jesus was praying in a certain place, when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also Forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you, for everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts, to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Steve. This is code for the regulars. The vicar has a post-Christmas cold. Here is hot Ribena. Uh, my family were a great blessing at Christmas. They came and gave me lots of gifts, one of which was three different colds. Uh, they all left, and uh, we're at the end of it, and I've got a few days off later in the week uh, as a post-Christmas break for us. But you pray for me, and I'll pray for you. Just before we pray, um, an illustration that will feed in, and you'll see why in a moment. If you were to get hold of a 19th century dictionary and look up the word uranium, you would find that it says it's a rare, dull, heavy metal with no important uses. If only they had known how much power was contained in this thing that they just thought was rare, dull, and heavy. Uh, far too many of us approach prayer that way. Something we ought to do, but it feels a bit hard work sometimes. Uh, and there is such a power in prayer. And not least a power, but a joy in intimacy with the Lord and in relationship with him. Uh, and I want to pray that for any of us who are at the uranium level of the 19th century in prayer, that the Lord fast forwards us a bit. And as it were, he cracks open prayer and we see the power there is for us. So let's pray that that would happen uh, as Carolyn was praying earlier anyway. 
Lord Jesus, how we praise you for the gift of prayer that we can talk with you and call your Father our Father. None of us pray uh, as much or in the depth that you would have us. You long for more relationship with us. You long to give us more. You long to work through us more. You long to change us more to be the people you've made us to be. Pour out your spirit, we pray now. On me as I speak, give grace to my voice. Uh, On us as we listen and as we look at the scriptures of Jesus teaching on prayer as I talk, will you speak to us by your spirit? And for all of us, take us the next stage in our own prayer life. I'll walk with you and we offer this time to you in your great name. Amen. So we're doing a few sermons at the start of the term on prayer, looking at Jesus' teaching on prayer, or some of it, this week, and then looking at Paul's teaching on prayer over the next uh, couple of weeks from Ephesians 3. Uh, And as uh, you've already heard, encouraging small groups and indeed our youth groups uh, and folks to come to a prayer course to see how much we can learn about it. Uh, We're advertising two books, particularly Pete Gregg on prayer, which is superb. Uh, whether you're a newbie Christian or whether you're quite long in the tooth as a Christian, there's gold there for all of us. And John Mark Comer on Ruthlessly Eliminate Hurry to Make Time for Prayer. Uh, and you can get those from the Christian bookshop, from the internet, and they're, we're trying to make sure each week there are some uh, on the welcome desk. So three things about prayer uh, which fall very neatly into something Jesus modelled that Jesus taught us we pray to the Father and that the Father wants to pour out the Holy Spirit. So it is a thoroughly Trinitarian sermon coming with three points that focus on Jesus, focus on the Father and focus on the Spirit. Uh, I don't think we can get closer to the center of the universe than focusing there. Jesus models a life of prayer. Luke 11 verse 1. If we can put the verse up. There we go. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he had finished... uh, they don't give us any clues how long it took while they're waiting for him to finish. How long is he going to be? Oh, last time it was three hours. Well, better not disturb him. Well, anyway, when he'd finished, they say, Lord, teach us to pray. John the Baptist taught his disciples, we want to learn to pray. We want to learn to pray like you. Uh, all the gospel writers record that Jesus carved out time for prayer. And if he needed to, uh, then how much more do we? If he wanted to, who is fully human, uh, then we need, you may want to be praying, Lord, put a desire in me to learn to pray more. Uh, Luke particularly records many times, uh, more than any of the other Gospels, he keeps telling us that Jesus took time up for prayer. For example, Luke 5, verse 15 to 16. News about Jesus spread all the more. Crowds of people came to hear him be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. The busier he was, the more he carved out time for prayer. Too many of us, the busier we are, say, I haven't really got time. For Jesus, it was the other way around. And the word translated lonely places is sometimes translated desert places, sometimes translated uh, wilderness, sometimes quiet places. When it's translated desert, Jesus went out to the desert to pray. We think, well... We can't do that. Uh, But actually the word is just a quiet place. And there are all sorts of different quiet places. Sometimes it was mountaintops for him. 
Uh, I love the way John Mark Comer in his book just gives up trying to translate it and just uses the Greek word, the eremos. It says, uh, Jesus went to eremois here, lonely places. But he keeps on saying, Jesus went to the eremos. Where is the quiet place where you can go to pray? Uh, at the start of his ministry, he gave 40 days in the eremos. Luke 4 verse 1. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. It's the same word. Into a quiet place, away from everybody else. You've got something new coming, take time uh, to make sure you're in tune with the Lord on it. Uh, after the first full busy days public ministry, lots of teaching and healing, uh, when most of us would want to lie in the next day, Luke 4 verse 42, at daybreak Jesus went out to a, guess where, a solitary place, an Eremos. The people were looking for him when they came to him, or else they tried to keep him from leaving them, but he kept on going to a quiet place. Uh, all night before he chose his 12 key disciples, Luke 6 verse 12, one of those days, Jesus went up to a mountainside. That word is mountainside, but it clearly, clearly was a quiet place as well. Not many people are up there all night. And he spent the night praying to God before big key decisions. Uh, he did it on his own. He prayed on his own, Luke 9.18. Once was Jesus was praying in private. We realize that a lot. But also, he would take some of the disciples with him sometimes. Luke 9, verse 28 uh, eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him and went up to pray. He's sort of modeling to them, get away to pray. Uh, and you all know we encourage you to take time every day in a quiet place, but also to form prayer triplets or formations uh, to pray with others, as uh, many of us pray better with others, and we can encourage each other in this, and Jesus did that. Uh, after very busy seasons of ministry, Jesus took the 12 away to quiet places to give them some recovery time. Mark 6, 31 to 32. So many people were coming and going, they didn't even have a chance to eat. And that was 2,000 years before email and iPhones and all the rest of it. He said to them, come with me by yourselves to a, an Eremos, a quiet place. Let's get some rest. They went away to a solitary place. When they went there... We found the crowds had seen them going, and there were 5,000 there, so it was far from a solitary place. You know what that feels like. You're desperate for space. And then all these wonderful people come, and Jesus gives himself to them. And then afterwards, Mark 6, 45 to 46, what does he do? The disciples, off you go. Off you go. I'm going up on a mountain to pray. I'm taking time. So He just could not have modeled it more. The busier he was... Uh, when events cropped up, he would give himself to people, but he would keep on making time for prayer. Uh, I love the way Mark puts it at the start of his gospel, Mark 1, 35 to 39. I love this. Very early in the morning while it was still dark. Now, don't get too guilty about that. They went to bed a lot earlier than us in the days before electricity as well. But even so, uh, if you're going to bed at 8 o'clock when the sun's gone down, you can get up. But there's some, some lesson for us in not going to bed too late as well if we want to get up to pray. Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to an Eremos, a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. I love his reply. Jesus replied, let's go somewhere else. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that releasing? We don't need to be at the beck and call of everybody else. We need to do what the Father's doing. Now, it wasn't that Jesus wanted just to escape. He had spent time in the quiet place. 
So he knew he was to travel around teaching and preaching, not just be based in one place. If you don't take time on your own with the Father to know his calling, you will be pushed and pulled by everybody else, and that slowly destroys our souls. Uh, one last verse under this category, John 5:19. Jesus said, the Son, that's him, can do nothing by himself. He only does what he sees the Father doing. I love that. Jesus has come as the saviour of the world. He could do so many things, but he does what the Father's doing, and then he knows what to say no to, and he knows what to say yes to. I suspect there aren't many of us who say, we've got far too much time and no idea what to do. Uh, Folks in retirement, folks in work, folks with young children, folks on their own, we live in a world that is so busy and rushed, so busy and rushed, that we need to learn to take time out with the Father. That's why this term we are really focusing for ourselves individually and for us as a church. Let's try and just slow down a bit and make sure we are in step with what the Father is doing. There may be things he calls us to cut out. There may be new things he calls us to do. We may be on track and not know it, (laughs) but but let's take time. Uh, In the John Mark Comer book on ruthlessly eliminating hurry, He expresses, as well as I've ever heard it put, how if we want to do what Jesus did, we need to take up Jesus' whole lifestyle. Dallas Willard has written some fairly heavy books on this, and I've got my own uh, highlighter pen highlights, and I find that all the things I've highlighted are in John Mark Comer's books, and John's are much easier to read, so I commend that too. If you want more substance, you can go to Dallas Willard behind it, but John Mark Comer does it well. And he takes Jesus' invitation to come to us, that famous invitation in Matthew 11, uh, where Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke on you, learn from me. I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, an inner rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, Jesus' yoke, a rabbi's yoke, was his whole way of life, and his teaching. It's not just do this, it's live like me and then learn to act like me. And too much of the church in the West has tried to do Jesus's truth, we've got it above my head, the I am the way, the truth and the life, without trying to live Jesus's way. And that puts a huge strain on. You may have worn in zealous younger days WWJD bands, some of you may have got them on now, what would Jesus do? The trouble is, you know what Jesus would do, and you can't do it because you're not Jesus. Uh, If we want to do what Jesus did, we need to learn to be like him. If you want to play a musical instrument, as well as the folks who are playing this morning, you need to put the hours in practice. It's no good them saying, you just play like this, come and have a go. You can't do it without practicing. If you want to play sport really well, you can't just turn up in a test match. I had a friend of mine, a friend of mine is chaplain of Surrey Cricket Club, uh, and he was out there at the last test match, and the opener, Rory Burns, Uh, got injured playing football, I think maybe with him even. But my friend Steve couldn't go and open for England. He just hasn't practised enough and probably wouldn't be able to even if he did. Uh, You can't... You've got to practise if you want to be able to perform, whether it's music or sport or medicine or anything else. If we want to learn to do what Jesus did more, we've got to be like Jesus and take his yoke on. And that includes carving out time for prayer. We will never do it otherwise. It will just put a huge, huge strain on us. Uh, So I commend that book, the John Mark Comer one to you, to think that through. Supremely, 
if Jesus is always taking time on his own, away from everybody else, how will you do that? I recommend to everybody, find a time and a place regularly. When Jesus was in Jerusalem, we knew he would go into the Garden of Gethsemane. At home in Nazareth or Capernaum, wherever, he will have gone to different places. Uh, I love Susanna Wesley, John and Charles Wesley's mum. 19 children, no place to escape. She would sit in a chair and pull up her skirt over her head. And that meant mum is praying. She was a scary lady and you kept quiet and you didn't disturb. That was her Eremos. And it worked. She prayed and look what John and Charles Wesley did. We recommend to busy mums the first lull of the day. You don't know when it will be. Might be at 10 o'clock in the morning, might not be till 3 o'clock in the afternoon. But the first lull. Don't get on with all the jobs that have to be done first. Put the Lord first. Uh, many of us, it will be first thing in the morning. Uh, for some of you whose office is your car, you may pull into a lay-by for half an hour. It may be a lunch break. It could be the evening. But the issue is not finding a time and place. If it, we, we tend to do what we want to do. For me, I have a chair in my lounge that I never sit in apart from for praying. I have a different chair I set in to chat to people and watch telly. But when I'm praying, I sit the other way, look down the garden, and it's, it's just a different place uh, for me. Uh, find a time, find a place. For those of you who find it really, really hard to slow down, the world is so busy around you, uh, I've just found Pete Gregg's app, Lectio, as in Lectio Divina 365. Ten minutes in the morning, uh, a scripture to reflect, it's a pause, the R is reflect, the A is ask, the Y is yield, his, and it just slows me down. I then go on and read more scripture and take more time. But if you're not managing anything, I commend that Lectio 365 uh, app to download it and then put your phone on airplane mode so nothing distracts you. In general, I'd rather we, didn't, we left your phone in another room when you're praying. But at the very least, put it on airplane mode so it can't get you if you, if you want to use an app. Uh, Jesus carved out time to pray. Part of his yoke, if we want to take it on us, will include that. And if you're not doing that, then none of the other stuff's going to work very well anyway. So <laughs> let's take that. If you are doing that, the Lord will show you what the next thing is perfectly fine. Uh, second thing about Jesus' teaching. So his first thing is that the life he modeled was a life of carving out time for prayer. The second thing is that at the heart of Jesus' teaching is that God is our heavenly Father. So back to Luke 11. And verse 2, the disciples have said, teach us to pray. He says, when you pray, say, Father. When you pray, say, Father. And at the end of the passage we had read, we'll look at it in a minute. Jesus said, your Father will give you better gifts than any human parents. He loves you. Now, this was so radical. We can forget it. We've grown up learning the Lord's Prayer. Whether it was our Father who art in heaven in the olden days or our Father in heaven now, he's our Father. But that is so radical. No one talk to God like that before Jesus. Jesus, the son of the father, naturally talks to his father. Abba, the Hebrew word for daddy. I spent a year in Israel and I loved seeing little children at our uh, Christian conference center community where we lived, coming home from nursery and going to their daddy with arms out. Abba, Abba, Abba. That's the word. Daddy, daddy, daddy. It's an intimate word of relationship. Now, possibly the most important thing about you, certainly one of the most important things about you, is what you think about God. Because your view of God will shape how you relate to him, how you act, 
how you behave, what's going on inwardly. And if you've not yet grasped deep down that God is your loving heavenly father who loves you better than any parent ever has. None of us has had a perfect, uh, has had perfect parents. Many of us have had good parents. Some of us haven't. But God is the perfect heavenly father. Some of you think God is distant and he doesn't really notice what you do. I spent some years at boarding school and I would occasionally put coins in a phone box, you know, with the beep, 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 beep to put another 10p in, those of you who are old and remember that. And so I'd occasionally communicate with my father. Most of the time he had no idea what, I was, what was going on. We could write a letter and I'd get one back. But actually he was distant. And it's easy in prayer to think God's like that. That's not how it is. God sees you every day. He's there with you. He loves you better than any parent has ever loved any child. Uh, I've told this story before, but I think it's right to tell it again. My problem was that I had a good dad, uh, but I then projected that view of my dad onto God. And so my dad's weaknesses got projected onto God. So some of you have heard this story before, but uh, I have a good brain, and my dad rightly wanted to get me to use it. I was classically a lazy, bright child who could get by, by uh, because, because I had a quick brain. Um, seen one or two people looking at each other in the congregation. I may not be the only one. And my dad wanted to encourage me to use it well. And I, one time, the school report would come each time. And he usually wanted to reward me for good report. Fathers long to bless children. The way he did it just was really unfortunate. Because what he said to me, this is a long time ago, John, I'm sure you've done very well and I want to reward you for good report. And here's five pounds. But... You know I want you to work hard and not be careless. We're just going to look through the report. And if it says careless, we're going to take 50p off. And I have this horrible memory of cringing, reading with my dad, reading my report for and 50p going and another 50p going. And somehow, about 25 years ago, the Holy Spirit pointed out to me that I kind of thought God was doing that. I kind of thought God's saying to me, Jonathan, I'm really pleased with you, but let's just examine things carefully and knock the 50p's off. Now, if that's my attitude of God in prayer, I don't want to spend much time in prayer. I'd rather do things for him. And it was glorious to realize that I'd projected an unhealthy view onto my heavenly father who loves me. Uh, so much good I got from my dad. It's mostly blessing. But that was a particular thing. Uh, God is not disappointed in you. He loves you. Uh, he, Jesus said, if you want a view of God, it's the father in the prodigal son with arms open wide. Whatever you've done, however badly you've screwed up, when you come back, he's thrilled your back and will throw a party. That is the view of God. And if that's not your view of God, we need to pray that the Holy Spirit will take that view from your head into your guts. So, you know, when you've got it there, you will want to come to your heavenly father. We love to go to people who welcome us with arms open wide and bless us. Those are the people we want to spend time with. The people who tell us how badly we get things wrong, we tend to avoid. Jesus said, God is your Abba, your Daddy, your Heavenly Father, and he delights in you. This is the big truth about God for the Christian in the whole of the New Testament. For example, John chapter 1, verse 12, Jesus said, to all who did receive Jesus, many rejected him, but to those who received him, he gave, those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. In his old age, John is still blown away by this truth. 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. See what great love 
the Father, the Abba, has lavished on us that we should be called children of God and that is what we are. He lavishes love on you. And we won't experience it unless we come to him. Now many of us will need healing from wounds that are far more damaging of human fathers that have not uh, been good. And the perfect heavenly father loves to heal. I've talked to several people who've had terrible fathers and said, is it unhelpful if I talk about God as father? They said, no. We know that there must be a good father and we know that we're damaged and we need healing. And of course, God is far more than father. Uh, in his image is male and female, really. It's all the best of father and mother. God is our heavenly parent. But he tells us to call him Abba, Father. Uh, one more on this. Paul in Romans 8, right at the high point of Romans, says this. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves, so you live in fear. Uh, rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship or childhood, and by him we call Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we're children, then we're heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share with his sufferings, then we have his glory. There's no promise of an easy life. There are the sufferings. But knowing we are God's children, that bedrock that whatever happens, God is my heavenly Abba. And I can come to him and his arms are open wide. And I'm keen that we pray in a few minutes' time that God by his Spirit helps us to know that and begins the work for some of us of wanting to spend time with him. Until we want to, it's going to feel like a chore. As we experience more of his love than we want it. At the Saturday morning prayer meeting yesterday, the first one of these new monthly prayer meetings, one of the things that came out was to pray that not only do we know God's truth, that he's up, but we experience his truth. Not just to know that he loves us in our head, but to experience his love for us. And we want to pray that. I love the fact that the next bit of the prayer, uh, let's put up Luke 11, 2 to 4. It's, Father, hallowed be your name. This, if it was just Abba, there would be a danger of being over-intimate and chummy with God. But God is still God. So there is this reverence. May your name be honoured. When we talk about Father, it has a sort of reverence but a distance. Uh, when my kids are being ironic, they'll come to me and say, Father, and I know jolly well that what they're not wanting is intimacy at that point. <laughs> they're after something, or they're about to mock me. <laughs> but Father, there's a bit of, when they say Dad, but Abba Father, may your name be honoured, has this intimacy and closeness and a prayer for him to be reverenced. And the first bit of the way we pray is all about God. May your name be honoured. May your kingdom come. Uh, the fuller version in Matthew that we've developed. Uh, may your will be done here on earth, here at St Paul's, in my life, in my family, in my home, in my job, in my business, in our country, as in heaven. And only then do we come on to our requests for our daily bread, for what we need for today, for forgiveness, forgive us our sins, for protection from the evil one. I'm not going to go through all of those. Pete Gregg's course goes through the Lord's Prayer. The book is excellent. The course is excellent. Uh, but I do want to say, pray the Lord's Prayer every day. Not just parrot fashion, but it's a pattern for prayer. I pray as I'm walking the dog. Uh, whatever I'm praying for, uh, I pray, Father, 
may your name be honoured. May your kingdom come, whether it's at St Paul's or it's in my family or it's an issue I'm wrestling with. May your will be done. What on earth do you want us to do? Show us. May your will be done. Uh, give me today my daily bread. I've got this cropping up. Help me in that difficult situation. All those things. Uh, prayer for forgiveness. If I haven't forgiven anyone, Lord, help me forgive. Protect us from the evil one. I pray God's protection around me and my family every day. Uh, praying the Lord's Prayer is deliverance ministry. Deliver us from evil. We pray this protection around. Pray it every day. Uh, you might want to set your alarm for a particular time. Uh, some people classically midday, but others different times. Just a reminder to pray the Lord's Prayer each day. Uh, and God is a good father who welcomes us and wants to give good gifts. Uh, let's just read again the rest of our passage. Jesus said, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine's come on a journey. I've got no food. Suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door's locked. My children or I are in bed. Thank the Lord we've moved on from those days where we all share one bed with, <laughs> with our children. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he won't get up and give you the bread because of friendship, because of your shameless audacity, he'll surely get up and give you as much as you need. And Jesus goes on to talk, ask as God's your good father. If a grumpy friend at midnight will answer your prayer, how much more will God, who's your heavenly father, who loves you, answer your prayer? Uh, so let me come into the third bit. Jesus models time alone every day. And from time to time, you may, you may take in the busyness of work a short time each day, but maybe on your Sabbath a longer time. And from time to time, perhaps at least annually, a longer time as well. Maybe a sort of retreat time if you can. We come to our Father. That's the big bit of teaching. Until we've got that, we're not going to progress very far. And the Father longs to pour out his Holy Spirit. So let's read the rest of this. So Jesus says, I say to you, ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks will receive. The one who seeks will find. The one who knocks the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Will your Father in heaven give the best gift, the Holy Spirit, to those who ask him? Now, when we want to emphasize something, uh, we can put things in bold print. Uh, we can make the text sing and dance, or at least you may be able to do that. I'm not very good at that. Sort of, but you can, you can emphasize things by putting it in bold and underlining it and all sorts of emojis alongside it. In Jewish language, when you want to emphasize something, you repeat it. So, truly, truly, I say to you, the way the Psalms say one thing and then say it again, uh, each verse. Here, it's six times, ask and you will receive. Uh, let's go back, John, to those previous verses. There we are. Ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks will receive. The one who seeks will find. The one who knocks the door will be opened. Six times, if you ask, Jesus says, this will happen. And what are we to ask for? We're to ask for his Holy Spirit to be given to us. So if we ask for God to fill us with his spirit, he will. So why, when we pray so much to be filled with the spirit, do we see so little? I think one of the reasons is that we need first to empty ourselves of all our self. Uh, we are like containers, and if we're full of ourself, there's not much room for God. 
when we repent of the muck and going our own way, and we empty out all that's wrong, then there's much more capacity for God to pour his spirit in. And I've been learning over some difficult times of waiting and some, some challenging situations, both in the family and, uh, and in church, uh, that in those times, as we try and stay close to the Lord, he expands our soul. They're like elastic containers that grow our souls. So when he pours out his spirit, we can take more. So in those times that are difficult that you're wrestling with, trust that God is expanding your soul. Why does God allow this? We don't fully know, but that our faith would grow more, that we would be able to be, carry more of his Holy Spirit. He carves out channels that he can fill with his spirit. And then when we pray to be filled, there's far more. Uh, so what happens as we pray for God to fill us with his spirit? Well, it's different for all of us. There are some people, it's just blindingly obvious. They shake or fall over, you can see. And they're looking around. I see every week, those of you who are like that. Uh, others of you, it's a bit quieter and gentler. Some people, there's tears that come as God fills and begins to heal up some of the painful things inside. Some people, there's great laughter. Uh, there's lots of folks who beam with smiles, but one or two just are in hysterics. And <laughs> that's great joy. For me... I used to think that God was passing me by. The first time I went to be prayed for for filling of the Spirit, some fell over near me, some were crying, some were laughing, and I was just standing there. Oh God, you love everybody else and not me. Uh, the next day, I was in my car uh, driving up the A12 to give a talk at a school, and there was a big traffic jam. And normally, about 20 minutes into traffic jam, I am really fed up and cross and looking for ways out. After an hour in this traffic jam, I realized that I was quietly singing worship songs to the Lord. And I thought, oh, something did happen yesterday. I'm a delayed reactor. When you pray for me to be filled with the Spirit, you may not see anything till the next day or a bit longer. That may be true of some of you. If we ask, God will give. So I've learned now over many years, uh, we ask and God gives. And we need to go on asking because we leak and we need to be filled up with his Holy Spirit. Uh, we're coming into land now. It'd be good to have some time to pray that in before the children's groups finish. So would you stand, and perhaps the band would come back ready uh, to lead us in song. For those of you who are new among us, I'm going to lead in a prayer that picks up on these themes, and then we're going to pray that God would send his spirit in increasing measure on us, and we're going to be still for a bit. And after a while... I will invite any of you who would like someone to pray for you, for any of these things, for wisdom in carving out time for God, for knowing God as your Father, for filling with your Spirit. I'll invite you to come. Taking a step and being prayed for by someone else is a wonderful, wonderful thing. Uh, and God's blessed me many times when I've done that. And it just feels like today's one of those times to make that opportunity. But first, let's be still. Heavenly Father, we come to you united with Jesus, longing for you to pour out your Holy Spirit. So come, Holy Spirit, and minister to your church now, to each of us individually. Come, Holy Spirit. Let's just be still and listen. Or maybe there's questions you want to ask the Lord. Just ask him in the stillness.
Some of you will be processing your relationship with your own parents, your fathers, maybe your mothers. Lord, bring healing for where there's been pain, but bring a fresh trust in you as the perfect heavenly father. And for those that need to talk and pray this through with others, would you help them know that that's what needs to happen and give courage for that? For all of us, reveal more of your fatherly love by your Holy Spirit to us. For those who've never carved out this daily time that is part of Jesus' yoke, Lord, show them a, a time, a place. Would you show them where you want to meet with them? We're going to carry on being still for a moment. If you'd like someone just to pray for you, it's the start of a new year, you want someone just to pray, fill them with your Holy Spirit. Just come and gather around the front. Uh, maybe you want prayer for relationship with human parents. You, you want to learn to pray more. Maybe you've never experienced God's love deep down. We'd love to pray for you to do that. If you'd like to come, the band are just going to start playing very instrumentally quietly. Just come for prayer. Prayer ministry team, if you'd come out as others do. And we'd love to pray for you. There's a bit of time. Just as people come, any of you who've been trained in prayer ministry at the well or here, come and pray with people, men with men, women with women. We're just going to lay a hand on your shoulder and pray, Lord, fill them with your spirit. If there's something you want to say to whoever's praying with you, by all means do, but you don't have to. So we're praying before the service. Someone had a picture of a boat whose sail was down and the, the sense was to put the sail back up and invite God to blow the wind of his spirit into the sail and set you in a particular direction. If you know that's you, you need more of God's wind in your sails. Come forward, we'd love to pray for you. We'd also love to pray for those who are struggling to hear God. You read the Bible, but you never hear the Lord speak to you. We felt at the prayer time yesterday that we need to pray for unstopping our ears spiritually. So if that's you and you'd like to learn to hear God better, for the scriptures to come alive, for, to hear his nudges, come and we'd love to pray for you. Or if you want to pray for protection, it's like you're always going down the wrong alleys and you want the Lord to point you in the right direction and have help you put blinkers on your eyes so you see his ways, as it were. We'd love to pray for you. So we're going to sing about God being a good father. If you'd like prayer while that's going on, just come to the front and we'll just pray very simply for you. Uh, let's, Lord, as we worship you in song, as we pray, pour your spirit and take us deep, teach us to pray. And we ask it all in your great name. Amen. <laughs>